0: Hey, 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 drama listeners, we have an amazing episode in store for you today with legendary Broadway director, choreographer and performer Casey Nicola. Before you check out the episode, I would love it if you could go on to our episode notes below where you'll see the information for our Patreon, which is called Drama Plus. It's the bonus content platform where Connor and I share a couple of extra episodes a month. You're added to our Instagram close friends and you're directly supporting us to keep the podcast running. We have some phenomenal things in store for you as we look ahead to the rest of the fall and we hit our four-year anniversary in November. So you're going to want to be a part of drama plus where you'll get first access and information about everything. And if you're a member of it now, you'll know what our October themed month is going to be and what all those episodes are going to have in store. So check that out. And of course, thank you for everything and always listening to drama, following us online and supporting our episodes. All right, let's get on with the show. Press play, curtain up an hour in. It's time to taste in the shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got numb? The option? No, I'm not well. What star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. 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 Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love and life i am connor mcdowell and i am dylan mcdowell connor we've got a big one today i know i'm so excited i don't even really want to talk to you at the beginning i know i know well the vibes have been so good the the energy is amazing i mean when you think of broadway when you think of musical heaven you think of this guy i know Mm -hmm. he's directed some of my favorite shows i know choreographed even yes sometimes at the same time (laughs) <laughs> most times actually, most times, most times, which, I'm, yeah. which I want to know about, we need to just jump in because I have a million and one things I want to talk to this guest about. I'm just going to go. All right. So our guest today is a 13 time Tony award nominee with two wins under his impressive tutelage. Best Director of a Musical for Book of Mormon, and most recently, Best Choreography for Some Like It Hot. He's one of our time's most prolific creative forces, having also provided his magic touch as the Broadway director choreographer for The Drowsy Chaperone, The Prom, Mean Girls, Something Rotten, Talk Everlasting, Aladdin, Elf, with solely his choreo to Spamalot and Full Direction to To Be or Not To Be and All About Me. As a Broadway performer, he earned his stripes in Thoroughly Modern Millie, Susical, Saturday Night Fever, The Scarlet Pimpernel, Steel, Pier, Victor, Victoria, The Best Little Whorehouse, Goes Public, Crazy for You, and even Some Like It Hot as Spats Columbo for one weekend this year. He directed and choreographed Dreamgirls in the West End, as well as countless more productions from coast to coast. He's won Olivier's Drama Desk Awards, has been nominated for Outer Critics Circle Awards, and much more for his brilliance. The San Diego native is the beating heart of the Broadway community, and we are beyond gagged to be in his presence today. Please welcome to drama, Casey Nicola.
1: Okay. (laughs) That is awesome.
0: You're awesome.
1: Oh my gosh. What an entrance. That's how you're introduced
0: every time you walk into a room, right? Yeah, right. Like Dolly Gallagher (laughs) Levi on the steps. No, it's
1: more like he's here.
0: (laughs) Everyone be quiet. Everyone be quiet.
1: (laughs) Wait, he doesn't like it when you talk. Like. He's right here, you know, and you can call me by my name,
0: <laughs> Casey. Thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to the pod.
1: Thank you so much. Are you well? I'm great. No complaints here at all.
0: Have you been having a good summer? I know it was a busy spring season for you with some like it hot.
1: It was. It's been a busy summer too. Like vacation starts next week, so that's good.
0: Oh my gosh, you deserve it. Thank that's you. so New York of you to go on vacation in August.
1: Yeah, it kind of is, right?
0: No one's <laughs> in their offices. Uh huh. What else have you been up to this summer? Are you allowed to say?
1: Um, yeah, I um, just did a lab of Hercules for Disney. Oh, uh, yes. And it's it's going to Germany in, in January. Oh, okay. my God, that's
0: so exciting. Yeah, wow. very exciting. Was this the production that was at paper mill that they're kind of like retooling still
1: i mean it's been announced so i think it's okay
0: yeah no i remember reading about that yeah
1: yeah yeah but no i'm, I'm ta- i've taken it over and changing it a lot and it's been awesome
0: a lot okay
1: it's been really fun and we did we did a four-week lab and it was just really fun it was like it was like a christmas party like all of us many people that i knew and it was just really fun to be working on the show and it was really a blast
0: Oh Aww. my gosh.
1: And I'm really excited about it. and Everyone was very excited about, uh, about it after we finished. Oh, that's, that's really
0: exciting. I mean, I'm sure that's a big undertaking to like come in to what I'd imagine is pretty established at that moment and then retool things. Have you ever, I don't want to call it Overhaul the show but like you know overhaul the show before where you've come in later in the process
1: yes yes i this is the first this is the first time i've done it like this where it was okay. also so recent to when the show had been done you know i sort of had three months to go like oh my god we've got to like you know i, I want to do all the make all these changes but everyone was game and it was really a, it was really a fun time you know i came in late on book of mormon as well like i i got i got hired and then had to stage a full lab three weeks later Oh, my oh yeah, that was crazy. That was yeah, that was crazy too.
0: And everything I remember hearing about early Book of Mormon is that it was all very top secret.
1: Yeah, it it was. I mean, yeah. So this is like the second time I came in late to a show, and oh uh, it's it's you know part of it's part of it's great and part of it's you know terrifying.
0: Yeah, logistically, when you're because you've directed and choreographed so many shows, as we mentioned, do you usually get approached by? A producer? Is it usually your idea? Is it a songwriting team that comes up with it? Like, what is the origin of a, of a new Broadway musical? Say,
1: it's sort of all of those things. You know, you never know what it's going to be. Most of the time, it's a producer coming to you and saying, "Hey, do you want to do this?" You know, but also, like during the pandemic, I was like, with we got to drum some stuff up ourselves because I had, I was like, I have to stay creative during this time, and so I would zoom with with some creators, and we basically. Like in two instances that I'm, I can't talk about yet, but, <laughs> but in two instances, we created shows and started writing shows and working on shows during the pandemic and almost finishing one of them. We finished during the pandemic and the other one, we were like done with act one.
0: What? That's wow. amazing. So
1: fun. It was really fun. And also it was kind of a lifesaver to tell you the truth.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, where where were you on March twelfth, twenty twenty? What were you in the middle of doing?
1: I was in the middle of choreographing the prom movie. Oh, Uh, we had three days left to wrap, and they were like, "That's it."
0: Oh my god, that's kind of like what just happened with Wicked. They were like in the middle of filming and then had to stop the movie. Yeah. Oh, right. The prom movie too. My god, what was left to film for the prom?
1: It was it was seriously simple okay. stuff. All the big numbers have been done. Okay, thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness. Wow. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah.
0: You you've thrown out like all these titles already of different shows and experiences that I'm so curious about. <laughs> but maybe before we get into the entire career that you have amassed, I mean, it's just beyond Casey. I want to know about what got you into it. We ask all of our guests about their ring of keys moment, aka that moment of recognition when you were experiencing art in a way that made you realize that you needed it to be a part of your life in a huge. Huge way maybe maybe forever do you feel like you had a moment wow. or moments that you can pinpoint that to
1: yes definitely i had definitely like a couple of times like seeing theater and then a time experiencing theater so that's so like guess two big three big moments i would say i didn't come from money at all and my parents bought subscription tickets to like the tours going through because they knew that i they knew that i was a theatrical young boy and You know, they took me to see one of the, one of the shows was Hello Dolly with Carol Channing. And I think that seriously made me so in awe of that part of showbiz and, you know, and just the glitz and glamour of it all, which was great. And then my mom got a cassette tape of a chorus line. Because she'd heard from a friend it was good. And I knew nothing about it. And so I listened to it day and night. And then she bought two tickets to go see it up in L.A. Because we I grew up in San Diego. And so she took me out of school. And drove me and let me pick a friend to go with. And my mom didn't even go with us because she couldn't afford a third ticket. And we went, we sat in the, my friend Jan and I sat in the back row of the top balcony to see Chorus Line. And it really did change my life.
0: Wow. Was that at the Amundsen or the Pantages?
1: Uh It was at, no, it was at the Schubert, which is no longer there. Okay. Yeah.
0: What do you remember most about that production?
1: Well, th- there was a gay character for sure, which okay. was like, whoa. And just... Well, you know, just from actually, you know, what's funny is for me, because I listened to this, the cassette so many times, mm-hmm. it was getting to see it as opposed to just hear it, you know, yeah. to, and, you know, and also at that point. A lot of the people from Broadway casts were going to do tours, oh, that's so awesome. I saw a lot of the people that were in the Broadway cast. It just all blew me away.
0: Was Donna McKechnie in that production?
1: No, it was a Wanda Rickert.
0: Okay, see, I love that you remember that too.
1: <laughs> oh, I remember because I had the pro- I like you know went over the program yeah. like every second. I like when I got once I got home. And then another one of those moments for me was you know I didn't really fit in in junior high school and. A friend of mine said, you know, I work at this place called Junior Theater uh, in San Diego. And, you know, they do classes on Saturdays. And I was like, well, that sounds great. And she said, and, you know, we could always use guys. So I auditioned for Annie Get Your Gun. And I was a dancing Indian. I was hooked. I was totally hooked by it. And that's when my, like, everything started. And Junior Theater was just amazing. And we did, you know, people from 8 to 18 did five shows a year, and you you know if you had to do like work spotlights one show, and then you could perform in two, and then you had to do tech, and then you could perform in two, and I just did them all through the rest of high school, and it was awesome.
0: And I'm sure you made lifelong friends with those people too.
1: I did, and that was like sort of my family because I didn't fit in, in in high school at all.
0: That surprises me.
1: Uh, I just didn't want to be there.
0: Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Were you a good student? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was a lazy student. I wanted to just get away with as much as I could. Mm -hmm. And you know, I was in like choir instead of PE just so I didn't have to go to PE. And then in the middle of choir, I would just like run out the door to go to winchell's donuts no i was a bad student i was a bad student i was a good student but it was it was all boring to me Sure, because i kind of started after being a dancing indian i finally decided i knew what i wanted to do
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then you know i was went to ucla for a year and a quarter okay uh, so my parents said you have to go to college and then i basically flunked out of school so that i could move they let me move to new york
0: wow oh my god and
1: i moved to new york at 18 with 50 bucks and nowhere to live Oh, yeah. No, it's crazy. I was just so, so determined. I'm still that way. <laughs> when it comes to like a show that it's like, we got to do this for the show. We got to do that for the show. We got. I'm just like a bull in a china shop when it comes to that.
0: Yeah, yeah, you'll get it done. Whatever you set your mind to, you'll do.
1: Kind of. Mostly successful, but not always successful. <laughs> <laughs> and your parents at that point
0: were supportive of that just because you'd followed their...
1: They knew they couldn't stop me. Okay. I mean that's the bottom line. They knew that if I made up my mind I was going to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, so you're 18, 50 bucks. What did you do?
1: Well, like to jump back a year, you know, when I was in my first year of college, I saved up my money. I was a assistant manager of a movie theater and so I that's where I worked. I saved up my money to go to New York. And I went there and I don't know how I even like knew to do these things, but you know, I Bought a backstage and I looked up the auditions and everything was at the Ansonia, you know, hotel where they had like all the rehearsal studios and I auditioned for like five summer stocks and I had no picture, no resume and I auditioned for the new London Barn Playhouse and got cast. Wow. And so that summer after my first year, I went there and made all these friends and it was absolutely awesome. It was like, you know, 10 people sleeping in a room together and we had to like clean the toilets and build the sets and the costumes and do 10 shows. And I played Barnaby and Hello, Dolly. And then, you know, the choreographer quit. And So I choreographed it too. Like, I mean, <laughs> just, just all of that. And then so I made those friends and then I moved to New York to basically be with my new family.
0: Okay. okay. I'm glad you had them. That's great. Yeah. Oh my God. So
1: with that 50 bucks, I just slept on people's couches and stuff until I got an apartment. Yeah. And <laughs> and by got an apartment, I mean, you know, it was $125 a month and I shared with three people.
0: Wow. Oh, wow. In what neighborhood?
1: Upper West Side. Like I started on 75th. I just, everything was sublets at that point mm-hmm. for me. I started on 75th and then I moved up to 87th and then I moved up to 98th.
0: Nice. Oh okay. my gosh. So this was your first time in New York then? Yeah. When you're living there. Do you remember your first on Broadway show that you saw?
1: Oh, yeah. When I got to New York for my trip, I saw Barnum. That was the first show I saw.
0: Okay, wow. great. Yeah. Maybe it's due for for another run.
1: I don't know. I mean, I loved it, <laughs> but I don't know how it holds up. I haven't seen it in a long time. That's true.
0: That's true. <laughs> and they sort of tweaked that concept of, like, a circus-type vibe with you know, greatest showman right. and there's this water for elephants show that's right. coming in and things like that. Yeah. So that's true. You know, a lot of this concepts might have been done better over time. Yeah. And then when did crazy for you happen?
1: Oh, well, crazy for you happened like, cause I got to New York 1982. Okay. So between 82 and 92, when which is when crazy for you happened, I just, I mean, I struggled. I waited a lot of tables. Everyone was getting their equity cards and I hadn't yet. And it was like kind of flipping me out. And then I started losing my hair and started getting work right away. Really? Because I didn't look like everyone else. And they needed someone who could be a little character and still dance. And so that's kind of when it started. And then I got my equity card at Beef and Boards Dinner Theater in Indiana. Um, <laughs> did a lot of regional stuff. Then I worked at Equity Library Theater in New York. I don't know if you okay. even know of that. That No, was,
0: it's not. Is it, is it a thing anymore? No,
1: not at all. They had showcase contracts. And you do. You would do shows so the agents could come see you, see you and you okay. could hopefully get an agent.
0: Oh, and okay. we
1: literally worked for subway tokens. Wow. They would give us an envelope with our subway tokens to get to and from the theater, and and that was it.
0: That was what my first internship in New York was like. But that was in
1: 2016. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then from then I got a bus and truck tour of 42nd Street, and so then I just you know kept going, and then I did Kiss of the Spider Woman with susan stroman when she was choreographing it up right. at purchase because of that relationship i ended up getting crazy for you
0: wow have you become like contemporaries now with susan stroman now that you're i mean this year you're both nominated up against each other yeah in your shows, yeah you know? no
1: i mean we, we we go in the same circles but no we don't see each other that much actually
0: Who who would you say your biggest influence was as a director or choreographer
1: well i mean honestly i have to say like if you're just looking at that, that Mike Ockert and Susan Stroman doing crazy for you. Cause it was my first big thing and seeing how well a director and choreographer can work together. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was, it was absolutely seamless, you know, where this where the scenes ended and the songs picked up, it was like one person directing and it. it was just kind of magical. That Mm -hmm. is magical,
0: and that's actually something I was wondering about for you, Casey. I know you like to direct and choreograph a lot of your pieces, Uh and I am wondering—is that why it's your preference? Because it can be so seamless in that way in terms of the finished product, or I am wondering maybe from you, what's uh, what's the reason you prefer that?
1: Yeah, I like it being one voice. Yeah, you know, to me that's that's the best thing, and and you know, I am kind of a I, I like to. Feel the whole show move, like l- literally through choreography, but also in the pacing and how the transitions feel like dance to me, whether they're dance trans- transitions or not. Mm-hmm. That's really important to me as the way a show moves and how it moves.
0: You nail it for sure. Oh. I mean, Some Like It Hot, The Prom, everything. I mean, it really is just beyond. I mean, not to jump to present day too much, because I'm sure we're going to dip in and out of some of these credits. But I mean, Some Like It Hot, you just won your next Tony. I mean, it's such a fantastic show. Congratulations on it. Yes, congrats. Thank you. Oh my God. When did you get involved in that process?
1: Pretty early on. I mean, everything, you know, every new Broadway show takes, I would say between five and seven years. And so this one was, because of the pandemic and stuff too, probably about six or seven years. Wow, okay. But so, so pretty much right off the bat, you know, no songs have been written yet. The book hadn't been sort of structured out. And then it started with Matthew Lopez doing an outline. And it would be so, I haven't looked at that outline in forever. It's still on my computer somewhere, but it would not resemble anything that it is right now. Because we (laughs) just kept, it just kept changing. Characters Mm -hmm. kept changing, yeah. which I love. I love, I love the process of stuff.
0: Now, did you watch the original movie at all to get any influence?
1: I did originally, Mm -hmm. you know, and we all just, all four of us knew we just needed to make it, different you know and make it feel more contemporary and matthew was you know responsible for a a lot of that and especially you know with the daphne character that was like his first thing he's like i want this to happen and it just really sort of blossomed from there
0: yeah it just made so much sense i mean what a beautiful story and it's The whole thing just unfolds so perfectly. Oh, thank you. I I have to say, and I'm sure you hear this a lot, your tap numbers are unparalleled in in every single show. You you sneak them in there, Casey. You find a way.
1: (laughs) Well, you know what's so funny? Everyone says that. Everyone's like, okay, what's the one tap number in this? And, um, And what's funny is so many of them, when I did Aladdin to start with, there was no tap number. Okay. When we did it in Seattle, I didn't have tap in it. And Tom Schumacher was like, when we go to Broadway, you got to put a tap number in there. So <laughs> and it, it made total sense, mm-hmm. and we did. And and same thing in actually same thing in a bunch of shows. that happened in in a Book of Mormon when I thought you know I thought turn it off was like a genius song, and then Trey was oh, like, yeah. well, you know they need to tap in it. I was like, they do. <laughs> and I was at first I was like, I think that's going to be too much, but it ended up being perfect. Uh, oh yeah, being absolutely perfect. And then you know Mean Girls, same thing. After D C, Jeff Richmond said. I'm writing a new number for Damien at the top of act two. And I think it needs to be a tap number. And then same thing was something rotten. Carrie Kirk Packard's like, I think this show, this, this is a tap number in here. And then that show, we just kept adding tap more and more. Oh, and, yeah. I, and it felt right. Oh, oh my yes. God. Something
0: rotten. One of my favorite shows I have ever seen in my entire life. I feel like it was ahead of its time in a lot of ways.
1: <laughs> for <laughs> sure. <laughs> I love it. I love, I it love so that much. show.
0: I'm also such a huge fan of Mean Girls, and I, I feel like I haven't really read a lot of interviews of you talking about it. But I'm curious, what's your proudest memory of the Mean Girls experience?
1: Oh wow! You know, I, there's there's so many moments. I love that one of the images I had in my head the, from the very beginning was Regina George in front of his in by a Xerox machine. <laughs> and and watching her just spookily come walk down stage and seeing pages flying on the video screens and stuff and i think one of my my proudest moments was even the idea of a video wall because it's something i'd never done but mm-hmm. also tina writes so quickly and you know she's famous for you know jump cuts and stuff mm-hmm. and it's like you know what, I don't know how I'm going to do that on stage with changing sets so much and with montages and stuff. And so that was sort of what made me decide to use that in the show. But, you know, it was it was tough in D.C. We made a lot of changes in D.C., but we we had a great time working on it. We really did. And also just that cast was amazing. Amazing. And The voices on on those women were just so incredible. Mm -hmm.
0: beyond now yeah do you prefer taking a show out of town because i know some like for example some like it hot and something rotten they came right in i mean there was obviously labs prior to it but right you you're famous for going to fifth avenue at times right what do you prefer in the process
1: well it's funny it's just a different world than it originally was because it i always think it's great to have an audience but i think you can also get just as much of a good idea when you do a lab. And especially if you do a lab for, you know, six weeks. If you if you know you're going to skip an out-of-town, I think the lab has to be six weeks so that you can get the show up in three or four and then invite bigger audiences to come see it so you can get a sense of what an audience is thinking for two weeks. Mm -hmm. But I think out-of-town is always good. I yeah. do. I think it's always good. You know, I think that a lot of people don't want to pay for it anymore. And that's a, that's a big part of it. If they feel like the show is in good enough shape, they'll want to take it in. That's really interesting.
0: From what I've heard, it, it really can, can overhaul a show. You know, it's, if it's like a certain version of it. And I mean, Follies famously had that big out of town and way back in the day.
1: Yeah. I mean, thank God we had, you know, an out of town for Aladdin because it, it wasn't right in Toronto. Mm. And if that had been, I don't, we could not have done that show and brought it straight in.
0: Okay. -hmm. What uh, I guess I'm not too familiar with what Aladdin was like out of town. What 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 was the big change? The big changes that were made.
1: Well, you know, originally we when they when. Alan and Howard Ashman were creating the original film. It was a lot more big musical comedy, with Babcock, Omar, and Cassim being narrators of the whole thing.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And what happened was, after Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, they turned it more into an, sort of an action movie, mm. and cut a lot of the songs, and then they cut those three characters completely, and it got away from the musical comedy of it. And so Alan really wanted to restore Howard's vision for the show. And so we had those three guys actually sang Arabian Nights at the beginning. Mm. And then had interstitial narration through the whole thing. And it just didn't work. And nobody cared about them. And they were like, we want the genie. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in the movie, it's the same thing. The genie doesn't come in until 45 minutes in. But you also had Robin Williams' voice at the beginning, which satisfied you for a little while. Right. So we rewrote about, I would say, about a third of the show. Wow. Mm. Um, more jokes different structural things, changed numbers, wrote a new number, and then cut all of Bab- Boak's interstitial stuff. Okay. right, And then gave the opening number to the genie instead. So it was a lot. And also it informed a lot with the set as well, because it used to be that those three guys would walk across a front cloth and then we're changing the set mm-hmm. in the back. So we had to basically take any scene that was in the palace and move it in front of a new palace drop. Okay. Like oh. a hallway drop so that we could change that. So there was a lot of it was a lot of change. Wow. And it worked. It worked. We're we're celebrating the 10th year anniversary coming up in in March.
0: That's really amazing.
1: Which is amazing. It's it's really impressive. Is yeah. that your
0: no? That one came after Book of Mormon, right? Right. It was the show after the show Book after. Of so you've had these long running these running, running shows. How often do you drop in and check in on those shows?
1: Pretty often. Book of Mormon, not as much. I have really good associates there, but I do pop in there like a few times a year. Aladdin, probably every two months. Okay. Something like hot because it's new, every two weeks. <laughs> sure. And
0: then and then you were stepping in to perform in it.
1: Oh my god, that was what, crazy.
0: What happened there? I don't know if I know the full
1: story. Well. <laughs> It was just we had so many people out in one week, and there were five guys going to be out. And okay. it was going to have to be a split show, a majorly split show, and we didn't have people to cover. And we knew both Mark Latino and Adam Heller were out. And so I was going to try to get my associate, Steve Bebout, to step in for Adam Heller. And he was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> not a chance am I going to do that. And so someone was like, oh, well, you know, you could do spats. I was like, ha And And I was like, well, you know, I could do spats. And then, But I really didn't want to, and I said it, and then I knew it was a mistake the minute I said it. And then the producers called me later and said, you have to do fast <laughs> I was like, okay. And then all of a sudden, I was doing a costume fitting that night, and then I was in the show the next night. I mean, I will say, it was harrowing to start with. It was the first night on, it was harrowing. And then it just kept, it was going to be one show, then it was three shows, and then it ended up being a full week.
0: Wow. Oh. <laughs> now, this was your first time on stage since... Like, as a Millie. performer, since Millie. Oh, my 20 God. 20
1: years. It was 20 years. Since, 20 years since I'd set a line on stage ever.
0: Wow. wow. my God. And what was that like? I mean, I mean, were you terrified?
1: I was terrified. Yeah. I was totally terrified. <laughs> the first... I don't know if I can tell the story. I don't know if it makes me look bad or or what, but I'll tell you now, and then I can decide yes. if we, if we want to keep it in. Absolutely. But my first night on, I... I mean, I was just so nervous about the lines and remembering them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so there's a scene at the beginning where they shoot, you know, the six mm-hmm. guys, you know, are all pulling guns on each other, six people. And the cue for the drummer to hit the gunshot is mine. And it's the word Bravo. And so I was so happy that I remember the line before it that I didn't remember to see Bravo. Oh. And so they're all just standing there holding guns. And then, you know, Joe's supposed to run in and be like, holy shit, I saw murder. And no one had been murdered when he came in. And so he's like, what's going on here? And then I just went, I screamed. I went, fuck. And then I turned to the audience and I was like, I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) And then everyone on stage was going, bravo, 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 bravo. I was like, oh yeah, bravo. And then shot him. I can't believe I hadn't heard this. No one has heard it. (laughs) No one has heard it except for everyone who was on stage and then whoever they told. (laughs) oh that's incredible but it, was, it was so embarrassing oh my god it was so embarrassing it really was i was like i was horrified then i had a great time as it went on it was so nice to not have the pressure of being in charge of everybody yeah and to be able to talk to people backstage and see their routines and you know watch you know everything else from a different angle it was really awesome it was so i was so surreal but really fun
0: out of curiosity yeah. was there anybody in the cast in particular that? kind of held your hand and helped you through those scenes
1: yeah i would say casey garvin did a lot because they're together yeah. all the time
0: he's done our show we love him
1: uh, i love him and, and also also he covers the role usually right so it was that was great
0: Aww. uh i love him i actually went back to see the show when he was covering christian
1: oh he did a great job huh
0: oh my god it he, he was, was so incredible. good incredible yeah he agreed. was so good and he's so hunky you just like can't stop looking at him <laughs> If you ever had to step into a role in any of your shows that you've you've directed, choreographed over the years, where do you think you'd fit best?
1: Well, it's so funny. I feel like in every show, <laughs> there's a role, and there's always the gay role, but there's a role that everyone is like, well, like, you know, like, you know, like, Jeannie's not a gay role, but, uh, but you know, James Monroe Iglehart was like, you know, I'm just being you up there. <laughs> and Jordan Gelber said that after doing Elf. And, you know, I sort of feel... Like, I would, like, play, you know, a younger version of myself, of course, but I would, like, play McKinley or Nostradamus. Oh, for uh, sure. Like, one of those one of those parts.
0: Maybe Barry in the prom?
1: Oh, oh my god, okay, that, yes, that would be the one. And that or Man in Chair. Or Man in Chair.
0: Oh my god, yes. Wait, you should be Man in Chair. If you ever really, <laughs> really want to do, like, a little limited engagement drowsy chaperone somewhere...
1: I don't know if That'd I, be... well, those lines I probably could remember because I listened to them a lot of times. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my yeah. God.
0: Even as you're listing all these different roles and shows we haven't even gotten to. But anyways, congratulations on Sound Like It Hot. I hope that it runs Thank and you. runs. It is just the most joyful, wonderful, and also meaningful storylines going on all wrapped in one. So it's Thank really you. an achievement. Millie was the last time you were performing on stage, you know, 20 years ago. Right. Wh- when did you transition into choreographing and directing?
1: Well... I mean it sort of started at the New London Barn Playhouse when <laughs> I was choreographing <laughs> shows and you know and but the thing is I choreographed a lot of like non-equity stuff so I always knew I wanted to do that and then I started saying you know what I've got to focus on I want to be in a show on Broadway and then that's when crazy for you happened and then you know except for Scarlet Pimpernel all of the other shows I did were original okay you know and it was cuz I was a replacement in that show so I got to watch how shows are done and I always had opinions to myself about What I would do differently and just always sort of looked that way. And I got to a point where I thought, I just don't, I don't want to hear myself talk anymore. I want to do something about it. So while I was doing Susical, I basically rented studio space Wednesdays and Saturdays between shows to be creative, whatever that was going to mean to me. And you know, for the first few weeks, I would just be sitting there eating a sandwich going like, what the fuck am I doing here? (laughs) Uh, and then before you know it, I created three numbers. I got a friend to dance arrange them. I got 25 actor dancer friends and put together three numbers and invited everyone I'd ever met to come see it. And spent, you know, spent my money. Like I spent basically everything I had, which at that point was like $3,000. And to get a studio, to insure the dancers, like all of that stuff. And I people came to see it and i got a i got a job choreographing uh, an original musical version of Prince of the Popper at the 5th Avenue and Kevin McCullum was producing it oh. and uh he, so he basically gave me my first official yeah. choreographer job
0: i mean and then the rest as they say what were the what were the numbers in this in this showcase that you did
1: well they were all original one was like a picnic number that was a tap number of course And they all like went to this picnic and then they pulled tap shoes out of their baskets Uh, and then put them on and started tap dancing. And it was all based on, I haven't thought about this in a long time. It was all based on like picnic games. Oh, fun. Like the three-legged race and they all had tap shoes on. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, they did a tap number with a balloon between their bodies or that, you know, it was all those kind of things.
0: Oh, that's so fun! That's so joyful and creative. Though. Yeah, it was
1: pretty. It was pretty fun. And then I did a serious one, and then I did a, another strangely comic one. But they were all original. <laughs> nothing. Nothing was taken from anything else. And then,
0: when did the call for Spamalot happen?
1: Like out of the blue, <laughs> completely out of the blue. And I went to meet Mike Nichols, and he never met me. And Jerry Mitchell had recommended me for it. Uh-huh. And I went to the office to Mike's. Or Mike's apartment, and I was just so nervous, and so and on. I had the little. The little reel of what I was just telling you about of that performance and my my resume. And I sat with him and we talked for an hour. And then he's like, well, you want the job? And he'd never seen anything, never met me, nothing, and offered it to me. Wow. And he knew that, uh, you know, he knew I would be a good partner and that I would have his back and that we both would do well together. And we did. Yeah. You know, it was really a great team.
0: I mean, uh, and that was at the Schubert as well. You know? Yeah, it was.
1: <laughs> so Crazy Few was at the Schubert, and then Spamalot was at the Schubert, and now something Like It Hots at the Schubert.
0: Yeah. Wow. yeah. When you look back on Spamalot, what's a favorite memory you want to share?
1: Oh, my God. I have so many memories of that show. So, so many. I think just, you know, I think uh, like Jew Song or You Won't Succeed in, show, in yeah. on Broadway. Yeah. That number I was so proud of. And it had all kinds of like crazy lyrics to begin with. And that just weren't working. And one day, I figured out how to fix the number and change it completely and reimagine what it should be. And I remember David Hyde Pierce coming in saying, "This is all wrong. I I don't, I don't want to do it this way. I don't think we should do it this way. I think you're making a mistake." But and I was like, "Okay." And then we started talking about it. And then he was like, "All right." And we got into it. And then it ended up being a a complete (laughs) showstopper. You know, there were there were lines about share and pubic hair that rhymed, but it was like, you know what? I don't think that's (laughs) that's right right i think there's one i think there was but but anyway it's just like we all got along so great and it was just a it was an awesome awesome time and you know we went out of town to chicago you know took 20 minutes off the show while we were there wow got rid of two numbers it was it was great it was great really really fun such a fun time i mean
0: that cast in general sada ramirez yeah yeah Che Diaz from In Just Like That. Yeah,
1: totally, <laughs> totally. It was Whereas a, it was a big Or as we knew
0: Callie from Grey's Anatomy. And I remember exactly. everyone at the time was like, oh, after Sara won the Tony, they were given the opportunity to like pick any network show that was out there and yeah. chose Grey's Anatomy. Do you remember that at the time? Was oh, that, yeah. Are
1: you kidding me? That was yeah. the thing, yeah. Because that Superstar. was also a huge, it was such a huge deal
0: oh yeah and was there ever talks of making spam lot into a film
1: oh my gosh yes i i worked Ooh. on it for seven years oh my goodness and it's it's now not happening it was a 20th century fox but then disney oh. bought it and didn't didn't want to do it and then it went to paramount paramount went through changeover and then it's just not going to happen i think bummer but oh, i have bummer. storyboards of every single number it's been ready to go like a couple of times but it's it's uh, a <laughs> It's pretty awesome. Like I really, I, I've done so many dog and pony shows for that movie, and it's it was really it was really going to be great.
0: Yeah. But wow, looks oh, like it's not going to happen. You have the magic touch, Casey. So of course it was going to be great. <laughs> we shall <laughs>
1: see. Oh, oh my gosh! I, I was so proud of how I reimagined all the numbers for film.
0: Yeah, I mean that's difficult. And, and did you do the same thing with the prom? Um,
1: no, because the the prom was different because I directed the prom and Ryan Murphy directed the film, so okay. I basically yes. went there to do what he he wanted me to do. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's it's a different world, I suppose than uh Completely.
1: And also, I mean, it was super fun to do the prom in that, you know, when you're on stage, you know, the opening number is set at, you know, Rainbow and Stars, but there's only two tables there and room to dance, mm-hmm. you know, and then you go to, you do the movie and it's fully reimagined, it's fully imagined Sardis mm-hmm. and You've got all these extras and you've got all these people and everyone stands. I mean, it was amazing. That yeah. part was fantastic. And Ryan basically said, you know, do what you want to do what you've done and then I'll figure out how to shoot it.
0: I wondered how that that reopening number would be done. And that was one of my favorite parts of the film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's I fun. mean, that The Prom, to me, song. was one of my favorite shows over the last couple of years. Oh, it, thank you. It just you. spoke to, to us theater people. But I think also as we see now. It's really making waves across the country, and it's yeah. an important message that is sadly
1: still relevant to this day. I know it's so funny when we were doing that show. You know, it would be like relevant, not relevant, relevant, not relevant. Like like over the you know seven years we worked on it, mm-hmm. you would have to keep changing things when the when the politics were changing. Yeah. So, wow!
0: Uh, I, I, it was I imagine that it, it might you. continue to change. You know?
1: Yeah, might. We shall
0: see. I need, I need to ask really quick about Dream Girls and the West End. Uh uh-huh. yes. Be- We, because we are due for Dream Girls on Broadway again. <laughs> uh-huh. And the rumors forever were that that West End production was going to come over. Was that, were these true rumors um, or was it just talk?
1: I, no, I think it was true. And then it just, you know, sort of got derailed. I hope it does come sometime. I was so proud of that production. It was, uh, it, it was awesome. It was, it really was one of the highlights of my life. It was.
0: It was? What what made it so special to you?
1: Well, that was one of my, I mean, it was, it was, is still like my favorite show of all time. And it was one of the shows that I, like, I, I went standing room when I first moved to the city because it was 1982. And I saw it over and over and over. And I just loved it. I just loved it. I was so enthralled. And to be able to do it was so great. And the cast in London was fantastic. Yes. Oh, so I love, I absolutely loved it.
0: Oh, Amber Riley. Yeah, yes, was, she was uh... awesome. So awesome. Yeah. And I can't believe she's never made her Broadway debut. I know. You know, that'll, that'll happen though. She's yeah beyond. That voice oh, my goodness. is goodness, I know that voice. Casey, you. you've done so much. You've had such an immense impact on the theater community, but that's trickled out into changing lives, not to steal from the prom, but you are literally <laughs> changing lives. What is your dream for something that you haven't done yet that you would love to put out into the world or even just do for yourself?
1: Oh wow, that's a big question. Um, you know, I mean, the things that I always wanted to do were a Dreamgirls revival, and I was able to do it. I wanted to do a Most Happy Fella revival, Ooh. which I did an encore, right. so it wasn't really a revival, but I got to do it, and I just loved the experience. And that cast was spectacular. You know, I just want to do shows that I'm drawn to. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the main thing. And I and my favorite thing to do is have people laughing their butts off and then having tears in their eyes and not knowing when it happened um you know so that's that's my favorite thing and i just love working on shows period
0: i'm glad to hear there's some things coming down the pike then (laughs) oh
1: there are some things coming down the pipe but they're not really announced yet so that's okay that's okay yeah we're just excited there's something i will say
0: I, i you succeeded doing that in all of your shows but i will i have to tell you the prom took my breath away every time where i was laughing my butt off and then Oh my God. Especially that the the whole ending with Barry and you know, the mom. Oh my gosh. Just beyond.
1: Yeah. And you know, I have to say like that, that, that show for me, I I basically cried every time I saw it. And it's like the first time I cried was watching Brooks do Barry is going to prom because being a man at that age too, when we weren't able to do it, when, Mm -hmm. when we were growing up or when I was at prom age, and seeing him get to go to a prom at that age to me is just like that. That number makes me start crying, and then unruly heart makes me cry even more, and then it just keeps going all the way to the end.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a line in there that where Barry says, I-, "I know it's been years. I'm gonna, I'll call my mom or something." That's yeah. A, there's something in the music that swells there that just makes me chills every time. It's yeah. It's so powerful. It's I'm that sure build it's right
1: after it too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, oh way. yeah.
0: Oh, he's a star. Um, he is the best. Oh, yeah, he really. He should really have won the Tony. No one is funnier. Um, he's he's okay. amazing. Okay, we could talk to you literally forever, but we've we've got to wrap up here. No, already, already. Yes. I know, I know. We like to keep these episodes, you know, a little on the tighter side. But I feel like we need you for part two, so you're coming back one day. Okay, really, great. Making it happen anytime.
1: Yeah, anytime. Uh, you.
0: You're such a sweetheart. Before we say goodbye, we do like to end on a dose of drama, a little something on our minds. We want to recommend, put out into the world, etc., etc. And I've got to recommend, I was on a plane recently and I watched the Selena Gomez Apple TV Plus documentary, Selena Gomez, My Mind and Me. And y'all, it is incredible. She really puts a lot out there. And it's a really brave, honest look into a woman's life who is just like unafraid of sharing her truth. And I think she is also changing lives in terms of speaking about mental health. So highly recommend Selena Gomez. I love that. Because a lot of times when there's a celebrity documentary there... The, the celebrity has too much of a hand and kind of sheening it over and it, it, you don't get to see like the true behind the scenes so i'm glad to hear that it's really vulnerable and brilliant. Oh yeah um maybe a little okay, bit I, too much i was like oh my god did she watch this last cut like i don't know if <laughs> oh she, really yes yes
1: but... <laughs> oh oh i can't wait to see that i mean i love only murders in the uh-huh. building so yes. much
0: have you started the new
1: Season? I did just start it. Of course, I started it the day it came out. And I made my dinner and I sat in front of the TV and I was so excited. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> I have to say, I think, you know, Meryl has done a lot. But I think this is maybe one of my favorite things she's done <laughs> so already fun. in that first episode. <laughs>
1: so fun. At the totally. read through.
0: I mean, I'm sure you yes. relate to a lot of the. <laughs>
1: oh, totally. <laughs>
0: my dose of drama is there's a book out called And Don't Fuck It Up, the in oral history of the first 10 years of RuPaul's Drag Race. And it is sort of- Oh, really? It's really great. It's sanctioned by the production company, but it's it's sort of like a series of like collected- interviews about the first 10 years the first 10 seasons and the first three all-star seasons the origin RuPaul everything they interview tons of queens and creatives it's a treat to any fan of the show but also just anyone who likes queer history because it, it talks about how the show oh, really awesome. stands on the shoulders of all of that so I definitely recommend it I'm almost done with it and I I I honestly can't put it down I might go read it on my lunch break today so. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah Casey do you have a dose of drama to take us home today
1: I do. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure other people might have this one at this point too, but it's the bear. Ah, oh, so. I good. just love, I mean, I loved both seasons. I think I love season more than season two a little bit more, except that season one I loved. So incredibly much. And that I watched it a second time the med- immediately after I finished it. I did the same thing. Um, <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so intense, except that I think anyone who's a perfectionist and has that kind of drive, to me, I thrived on it because that's what I feel like my life is, is that constant ticking all the time and always the perfectionism going through my body and my head doesn't stop. And so that, that really, Spoke to me and it made me cry in moments. I don't know that other people cry, and maybe that's maybe they plan it so that everyone does. But um it's just geniusly done, and then season two just killed me. Oh, I know. Just killed me with some of those moments and like, you know, some quiet episodes that suddenly I was bawling after they finished and going, like, oh my and then some I bawled the whole way through, and some I was mortified. Like, it just was exquisite. But it's just so human and it's also to me just when people love something so much and are so passionate about something mm-hmm. and it was kind of nice that it wasn't about theater <laughs> uh, but it's its own kind of theater you know oh yeah
0: as i did, especially that episode where the cousin goes and kind of works at that other very high michelin star restaurant oh, that feels like God. theater the way that they're taking out that, the different notes and
1: it's all about that episode right amazing it it really was that whole season for me was about that episode it was just yes. it blew me away
0: Mm, I loved it. Well, yeah, everyone's got to go watch the bear. And Casey, thank you so much for your time today. I can tell that you have the hugest heart. You're so connected to your emotions and what you're passionate about. And it really bleeds into all of your work. And you just seem like the nicest guy to work with too. So it's clear to me why you have had such a thriving career in this business and everyone just loves you. you. So thanks for joining us
1: oh it's my pleasure absolutely thank you
0: we had so much fun and now you're not on social media which i have to admire but all of your shows are so <laughs> people should check out currently you know you have some like it hot you got book of mormon and you've got aladdin all on broadway right yep anything else? no that's that's all the ones on Broadway right now and they're on tour and you know <laughs> like
1: that's all <laughs> that's all right oh my god just
0: three <laughs> and we'll look forward to everything that's coming up next oh thank, thank you, you so much casey and connor Everyone can find you on social media at Connor McDowell, me as Dylan McDowell, us as the drama podcast. And I will see you next time. Drama. drama. <laughs>